Welcome to Rotten Radio. Rotten Radio is a monthly podcast we bring you the first Wednesday of the month with the Rotten Brothers, Father Paul Rutten, pastor of Immaculate Conception Parish in Watertown, Father John Rutten, pastor of St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg, and Joe Rutten, professor and director of the Benedictine Institute for Leadership, Ethics, and Social Justice at Mount Marty College. Let's join them now for a little faith, family, and plenty of fun. Good morning, Rockstars! You're listening to Rotten Radio here on RPR. That is Real Presence Radio in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'm your host, Joe Rutten, and I'm joined this month by my one and only twin brother, Father John. How we doing, Father? I'm doing well and always amazed how your ability to do that is like a switch. It just turns <laughs> on. You went from one totally different person to a whole different person. No, it's the uh, same person. <laughs> same person, different uh, personality. No, so, I'm doing well, yeah. Um, we're a little light here this morning at the yeah. table in the radio yeah. studio. Lightheaded. Lightheaded, maybe. Might Down need to from dehydrate. three to two. Well, no, I mean, we were three heads, and yeah, now yeah. we're two. Oh, yeah, 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 lightheaded. Lightheaded. <laughs> <laughs> he might have a lot of energy Lord this morning, mercy. but he's slow. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, anyway. it's We don't of, have Father Paul. We don't have Father t- Paul here. So Father Paul is not with us, and uh, he's off gallivanting around the world somewhere, I'm sure, and he will be joining us back in December, certainly. Yes. But we're going to do the November show all by ourselves. Back to the one egg. We might, we might be two heads, but we're one egg. One Ever egg think about t- that? Like twins, you come from one egg. I Identical wonder when we get twins. to heaven, what kind of, hmm. I bet there's nothing. Like, we're all just, oh, yeah, there's got to be something. <laughs> right? You mean I get the privilege of doing this for all <laughs> for eternity? All eternity. Yeah, Ooh. don't they say in heaven, like your relationships that are on earth, you're like in deeper awareness of those relationships that you had here on earth. You're like Uh more deeply in them. Yeah. We're probably actually going to like each other. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you're out there listening, father John here, well, father, we, we, we love each other, but like, listen, this is a family, right? Come on now. And twins competitive, everything, you know, after a while you're like, all right, I've had enough. That whole uh, image of, well, and there are a lot of twins like are like the same person and they share all their deepest Oh yeah. And they're like best friends. (laughs) And they read the same books and they, yeah, not us. We did have the same friends growing up for a lot of And we got a lot of similarities, all that fun stuff. But generally speaking, um, there's something within us that after about an hour, we're like, you know what? Let's, why don't you go home? (laughs) (laughs) Don't you have a rectory? (laughs) Oh, this is fantastic. All right. Speaking of growing up, we're going to review... This morning, in the first half hour of our faith and culture section of Rutten Radio, we are going to review the movie Goonies, one of our epic, spectacular movies of our childhood. I vividly remember like the Pyatts talking about how many times they watched it. Like I I saw it a hundred times. A hundred times. (laughs) I'm like a hundred. Wow! I I remember sitting on the stoop of their. Uh, front yard on the steps, the the steps that went oh, down yeah, to yeah, the, yeah. and we were, I think, I'm pretty sure we were eating pizza, and for Domino's pizza, and like 
Twinkies or something. I right. Think. So, so and if we were talking about Goonies. Right. If you're listening, this is North End Cathedral in Sioux Falls, uh, the old historic district, the Pyatts, the Ruttons, the Pokolas, the Kunkels. We all lived, right? You know, a million people all on one block. And the Pyatts, though, that was an, a, definitely an epic connection to the Pyatts was the love the, of movies, but particularly Goonies. Goonies. I vividly remember Kevin saying, I've watched it like 104 yeah, well, times. Well, because it was at the State Theater. The Goonies was the last movie to play at the State Theater before it closed. Oh, really? Yes, and they cost $1 to go. So you could go to the movie over and over Do and over Do you remember again. going? Yeah. Yeah. Do you mm-hmm. know who took us? I don't. I went a lot, I think. Well, we went, one of the people that at least took me was Tanya Thee. That would totally make sense. Who was babysitting us? I had the us. biggest crush on Tanya oh, Thee. Tanya Thee. I used to she drive my bike around her house, hoping that she would come. <laughs> oh, childhood crushes. Her and my first grade teacher, Mrs. Davidson. She was the daughter of the people who lived next door to the Pyatts. Do you remember oh. that? Oh. And so I was always hoping she'd be over there. <laughs> yeah. And we would sit there though. That was like the North End. That's why the North End was such a great place, where there were all these dimensions and relationships and generations. And uh, but. We would have been, I think, eight years old when Goonies came out. Wow. I thought we would have been older than that. But, no, 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 uh, no. Because it just I means really we really were standing Rangers. outside the Empire Theater, or the downtown theater, State Theater, State Theater, and the poster of the kids hanging from, you oh, know, yeah. the it's the pipe organ that the floor is collapsing out from underneath them. I think, uh, I think. Anyway, long story. Let's jump into this thing. Yeah. Like, all right, so So, Goonies is the movie to review. So when we take a look at Goonies, we want to kick it off and just kind of say, all right, how do you approach this movie? Well, first of all, the question I ask myself is why should we be reviewing this movie of all movies on a Catholic radio program. Right, I mean, right, we, right. We, we certainly talk about life, but it's, why would it's we It's not a religious movies? movie, and per se. And more importantly, because I absolutely despise sentimentality. Oh. So- you do. Well, I mean, I'm probably, I oh, am I sentimental. Sen- like but me the in the more- notebook? <laughs> like, <laughs> really? Oh, I love oh, sentimentality. I can't even like think about watching the notebook. Maybe I should watch it. But- well, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm, you know. You know, you're flying so, out so, just so, on an airplane and you're I going through about all those the notebook, movies but- and they're all like sentimental. Oh, yeah, yeah, now, yeah. Now, what I realize though is sentimentality doesn't mean that what I'm watching is is sentimental, it might mean that I'm just not going deep enough into what's in front of me. And gotcha. so I live it at a sentimental level. Goonies has something for me that is is less about sentimentality, but nostalgia. Yes. What is nostalgia uh, is so, an important recognition going into it, that there's this sentimental longing or this uh, affection for something of the past, typically of a period or a place um, with happy personal interactions or things from my life that mm. bring back this like. So I have nostalgia in front toward of things. Toward Goonies. Toward Goonies. Well, any person has nostalgia. Sure, sure, sure. And this is why you go to those, you know, if you go to the drugstore and there's the whole rack of cards that say 1945, 1946, and they're birthday cards for people who are 70 or people who are 40 and they were born in this year. And then it has all these facts. This yeah. The reason people sell these things is because Nostalgia. the human person is nostalgic. We look at our past in a way and we want to have this affection again for it. So you have this nostalgia for Goonies. If somebody out there hasn't seen Goonies, which, by the way, if you haven't, 
Like, do please immediately. <laughs> well, they'll finish the show. Then, no, maybe come back. You can podcast. You can watch the show on listen to the show on podcast. What's the the general narrative basically of Goonies is basically that you have a neighborhood of kids mm-hmm. that the adult in the adult world the neighborhood is starting to get bought out by a developer yep. who also happens to be the father of one of the high school friends and they're going to turn the boondocks into a golf course mm-hmm. and in order for this not to happen they need to be able to you know buy out the loans on their homes so that they don't get bought out by the developer and their homes don't get turned into a sand trap yes they hope and so it's about this epic adventure or journey, if you will, of discovery that leads toward uh, a treasure. 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 By a pirate yeah, with one eye. With one eye. And there's secret passageways and there's attics that are filled with, you know, Maps things that are going to help and- them in the future. And uh, so, um, one, so how we got to this and you will see on the Facebook page which by the way you can find us on Facebook at Rutten Radio or you can find us on Real Presence Radio the app and you can listen to all our previous shows too Um, I'm in Walmart the other day and they don't just carry the cards right if you pay attention to culture today you are going to see a plethora of things from the 80s because business knows nostalgia sells and so we once again, I saw Doc Martens on somebody. Converse are around. Tell I me, tell me, your bows aren't coming pants. back. No, but people are pegging their pants. <laughs> no, like not rolling them. And if you've noticed, they don't need to peg their pants anymore because their pants are like sucked to their legs in a way. <laughs> I used to always, in history books, you see these men wearing tights. And I thought, why would anyone dress like that? <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, they're, they're kind of dressing like that. wearing yeah. tights. So- I'm in Walmart and I come across this um, section of shirts and it has the old Mountain Dew logo on the shirt. And then there's this yellow shirt and it has Goonies. And I was like, we are buying those (laughs) (laughs) to wear for the movie review. Listeners out there were in the studio and I walk into the studio and I see Father John wearing this bright yellow Goonie shirt. It's epic. And then I walk into the studio and there's one for me. Yes. Your twin brother who you love yes. so much, care about so much, your your shared egg that you wish to spend all eternity with, with a like shirt. So yep. we are twins wearing our Goonie shirts. And so to get to what would, would go deeper than sentimentality, it, nostalgia is a part of being human. And so it's not something that's necessarily bad, but many times we live nostalgic in a way that is an answer to the nothingness we feel in the present moment. Uh, we we have this idea that if we could just go back to future past days, then this angst we have today would disappear. And we sort of disappear from the present and we live in this nostalgic idea. So there's a way in which it can end up being bad, but nostalgia actually should make us aware that we're longing for something <laughs> now, that we want something. Joe just handed up, Joe's taking uh, notes. I, I just put a piece of paper across. I literally, just taking notes here, uh, am thinking to myself, well, nostalgia makes us long for 
that again, right? And so it should be a pointing forward. We should be yeah. looking forward. It should be drawing us forward in the moment to, but anyway, so the longing. Yeah. It's uh, so this is really what it produced in us is a recognition that I long for something. And so it points me to the future, but it actually makes me recognize the present that in the longing is already the beginning of what it is I'm looking for. Nostalgia has the seed of coming back awake again. If I allow it to help me look forward and then become present to the presence. Lord, I want what it is I'm looking for in the past. I want it now. What about my longing for Cheetos? Does that, <laughs> there's lot, like we long for a lot of things. Sure. Right? And so how, how does the longing look in relationship to generally our listeners out there, myself out there, in the moment out there, if I have this nostalgic experience for things, not just a movie, but lots of things. Yeah. Um, how does that play out in the basic concretes of today, my moment right now? I'm longing for a lot of things. Can I long for things which aren't good for me? Do I, is all my longings good? Talk to me about my longings. Yeah, this is perfect because it's going to lead us to the second half in which we talk about the saints. Hmm. And one of the difficulties with the saints is one of, one of the reasons we have a hard time understanding the saints is because we have the hard time understanding Christ present today in the body, that we discard the body, that the senses are the way in which he draws us into this relationship. The body is the way God chose to redeem us. Uh, and so the longing I have for Cheetos is uh, something for me to begin with. And hence the reason we fast, because mm. the fast makes me more aware that I am attached to these earthly things, but more aware of how I think it's going to be solved there, but it's not. So it opens up the wound more. And then I, because of Lent or, you know, those times in which we, Lent gives us the opportunity to connect that longing to God. Well, that can happen any time of the year when I'm, when I'm, um, when I am looking for my fifth piece of pizza, right? When I uh, want to have another Starbucks coffee, right? The whole bag of Doritos. The whole bag of Doritos. Um, it helps me realize I'm made for something that can't be quenched. And so, if you take that away, fasting, this a discipline to. So, if you remove that, um, my my desire to eat the whole bag of Doritos. Like, all right, you're saying so. When I remove that, it exposes the longing that I'm trying to satiate that I'm trying to fulfill through the bag of Doritos. Mm -hmm. And if I allow that an opportunity, I can take that inordinate desire, that longing that I'm fulfilling in the Doritos. And you're saying I can redirect that or I should redirect that toward God himself. Yeah. And, and what, what I think the church does is redirects it. Okay. Because it's putting in that point to us in Lent, but gotcha. what we do is become aware that this longing, this nostalgia is pointing me to him. So it's not like I have to, with a Herculean effort, like go turn to Jesus. The church is actually the aid to doing that by giving us these seasons. Mm -hmm. by, now, even without the church, a person can fast and can realize I'm attached to things and I'm made for eternal things and not yet know Jesus. Uh, but the church is this great aid to us in doing this. And we become aware, ah, I'm made for you. Hmm. Ah, there you are. Uh, and the reason that I kind of caution that, like we get it is because if, if we, if we think we're like the ones that make it, we miss the most important thing is simply to just be aware. Ah, 
this next bag of Cheetos is actually my need for you, Lord. Uh, so, uh, so how did we get on all this? Nostalgia, <laughs> for, nostalgia, um, awakened through Goonies. Oh yeah. And that, that in turn, nostalgic can be pointing toward this human longing yes. that we have for, for the more, for, for well, you're for God, God for God himself for God. that we tend to replace with all kinds of things yeah. in our, our day. So nostalgic things are helpful when they lead us to our awareness we're made for something eternal. Gotcha. Otherwise we live in the past as a void to avoid the despair of the right. day. And this isn't new because in the liturgy of the hours, there's one of the readings the re that the priests and religious pray and lady um, are encouraged to pray to where Augustine talks about this. St. Augustine talks about longing for thinking that the times in the church in the past right. are beautiful. I don't have it all on the top of my head, but I remember reading that because in seminary, you're always thinking, oh, if we could just go back to when it was this and when yeah. it was before this and it was before this. And I'm like, wait a minute, Augustine <laughs> was with people who thought, oh, if we could just go back to the 200s or if we could just go back to, uh, so it's been with us. It's a human part of our recognition that we fail. Um, it's to interesting too, because when we have that nostalgia, <laughs> nostalgia for the past, it's often done in a very, um, a very uh, distilled way where we choose to see or think of it in a way that we want it to be. Like, sure. for instance, the church. Let's go back to you know. I mean, uh, I like having some Latin in my mass. Like, yeah. that'd be great, right? Yeah. So so this desire to have some of what the church had previously, maybe in larger quantities and some quantities today. Uh, I've always thought sometimes we forget why the pendulum swung so much at Vatican II, and that is because some of the 50s and 30s and whatever, some of the past was very austere, could have been hollow, could have been authoritarian, could have been, like, had lots of negatives to it, too. I only choose oftentimes, though, to think of the positives, right? The blessings. And so this desire to have that which is past in my folk scene on it almost fails, almost causes me to fail to, to live in the moment. I'm just yeah. thinking about, and it reminded me of the dad that lives through his son on the high school football field. Like, this idea that somehow I'm trying to catch something that's that's like sand between my fingers. Like yes. I can't, and, and and it's not satiating my desire. So what happens to the dad in the kind of cliche way? The dad is yelling and screaming and he's mad at the coach. And if you just play my son and like, where's the peace? And where's the joy? Where's the experience of life in the moment of the live? All you're doing is getting mad and angry. Like where's the fruit? The relationship with the son is what is necessary. That's that's the everything is fruitfulness from the relationship with the son. When the father has the relationship with the son, then everything else has its place. The problem is the place in which the father does this is a broken world. Uh, and so it's easy to get caught in all, I can humanly fix the brokenness or I can live in this relationship and allow the fruit of that relationship to be what fixes things. And there really is a fruitfulness to it, um, but it sometimes is hard to see uh, what what I would think is helpful in that same regard, if we take it in light of Goonies, is we can think of those days, the '80s, as being you know great and stuff. Wonderful. Uh, we had Goonies, and you we had lived kids in the all North over end, the North End. We was... were running, and if we could just you get the neighborhoods back, and you didn't have to lock the doors. <laughs> Which, and all by these the things. way, we didn't. And we had people break in. Yeah, like they didn't yeah, have to break yeah. in; they just came in. Like, yeah. By the way, in the '80s, we didn't lock our doors, but we should have. 
Yeah, and so and you know, with with the things have changed, and certainly it would be nice if they were different. But to live in the present now, we can go back and we say, well, what about those days when the interest rates were through the roof? And what about when all those farmers found themselves uh, losing their farms? And what about uh, you know? I mean, you just can go back, right. and we do have an ability to when nostalgia makes you think that the past didn't have any pain to it or that the past was only Perfect. this place. Whereas the truth is now is the time in which the father wants a relationship with the son, with me, with me, with me. But he does it oftentimes through the crack, through the pain, through the wound is the place where you realize grace is coming. So if you're out there listening, you're telling me that God, the father, the creator of this whole thing, the person behind my Catholic faith or wherever I'm at and like, like that person right now in this moment wants a relationship with me, wants to love me, wants to be present to me in the middle of all of the crap, the brokenness, the pain right now, me where I'm at, that's where I ought to live. Not in what was, or even maybe what could be, but what is. That's what I'm telling you. That's not what I'm telling you. That's what Christianity is. It's not my opinion or my idea. That's what Christianity is. God dwells among men. Incarnate. He's here. Uh, now, because we are human beings, we aren't Jesus of Nazareth, um, be, it's a journey. It's a, it's, it goes up and down. We are forgetful. We do lose our way. We do live in the past. We do live in the future. But if we pay attention to this, our, your heart can't not keep looking. And it just keeps going and going and going. And it, the more and more you become aware. This is why older people, some, a lot of times older people do have a peace because you get to the place where you realize so much of what I was paying attention to is frivolous. Mm. <laughs> you know, I remember this really wise professor at, uh, the seminary in Connecticut that I went to, and he sort of lived through some really crazy days at the seminary. And we would talk to him about how he lived through it. And he basically said, I came to the seminary and I did the things that I was called to do. Basically what he's saying is he did the thing. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like uh, uh, he didn't live in the past. He didn't live in the future. He's just like right here. God's doing something, right? And yeah, did he make really vast changes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know that he made vast changes, but I'll tell you what, he was still the one sitting there. None of yeah. the other people that he was with were around. Right, right, right. Uh, and so to get, to get to where we are with nostalgia, it has a great place. Um, but if we really pay attention to it, it's going to show us that we're longing for something. And that longing is a present event now. Right. Um, and it should or could draw us to the one that yeah. uh, created the longing. Yeah. The one who, yes. you know, and that's the father. So we'll get more into that in the second half hour. Yeah. We'll talk about the longing and our desire. There's great stuff that we'll talk about the saints and all saints, all souls. So my kind of take on Goonies is not necessarily the nostalgic, which I love. I, I so nostalgic for Goonies, um, but is the adventure side of it all. Like, man, life's an adventure. Like, this stuff is too dang fun. Like, it's wonderful. Why? Let's. It, it makes me want to go outside. It makes me want to go on a hike. It mm. makes me want to go out to the Black Hills. It makes me want to get out of my house and go somewhere and do something. It makes me want to go to the to, to Great Bear and go for a walk. It makes me want to like go down to the creek in my backyard and see if there's a frog down there. Like, it makes me want to be a kid again. Like to, to kind of just stop and say, well, wait a minute, this is an adventure. Life is. 
Um, and the older you get, the more responsibility you have. And so you kind of get your vocation comes into play where you've got a marriage and a family and a job and the mundane routine that is life, mm-hmm. the normalcy that is life, that in the middle of the normalcy, we don't have to fall asleep, but we can still have or find or live out an adventure. Yeah. And so it's like the, the Goonies makes me want to want to plan an adventure because in the adventure we find life and nostalgia comes alive. There's an awakening that comes yeah. with adventure. And this is the same with pilgrimage, right? Pilgrimages are an adventure. You were you gotta go on like the pilgrimage of a lifetime. Yeah, like, amen. Come JP on, how did you get we it? We love you. So you name I know what happened. You named your parish John Paul II because you knew you were positioning yourself to get a place on that pilgrimage with Bishop <laughs> to Poland. Actually it almost came about at the same time I uh got back I was coming into Sioux Falls on a Friday at like five twenty they left the chancery office open. I got the document saying Bishop Swain had established as the parish St. John Paul II. And the person that picked me up showed me the, told me the the bishop's bulletin that month had the pilgrimage in it. And I'm like, oh, I think I'm I going. I guess I'm going to Poland. So just so he just back. got back from like yeah. one of the epic countries and epic heartbeats of Christianity. Yeah. So I think this this is true. And I and part of the difficulty that I can see in the pilgrimage, I can see in life, is the reason that. We don't always go out and do those things. Is uh, not everything was shown in there in those? Well, it was all shown in those. The the friends were had different gifts and they made fun of each other and there was difficulties there. Uh, you know, Chunk Where? made to do the truffle oh, shuffle in oh, the Goonies. And Mouth yeah, 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 was always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they all when, have nicknames. They all have nicknames. They all there's so much there. But what I realize is that's hard to do in real life. To, to recognize, oh, Mouth, the one who is always into everything, is the one who tipped over the painting, the, the portrait that allowed them to see the portrait that had the map in it. And Chunk was the one who they gave the the portrait to, and they knew that he would drop Clumsy. it and it would break, and then the glass built open. And like, there's all these things that it can be easy to like constantly look at someone's cracks and say, How, why are you cracked? Why are you broken? Why are you this problem? As opposed to just saying, ah, well, What's the grace this person brings to the companionship? What does right. this person have to do with the journey? And then you realize every one of us, who is it God put around us? And start journeying, companion, like living with them. But it requires we sort of say, you know, but they're going to have a place where they don't add up, where they're difficult. But that's the place that maybe is their greatest contribution to who we are. Uh, and then hopefully we can say, I don't add up either. But maybe I still have a contribution. I don't add up. I feel like you I'm don't. cracked. You don't. <laughs> I'm all right though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, but it's, that but that that's that's where the rubber meets the road. Like in in the daily living, like even for listeners out there, for for students that I work with, um, I find that until I'm w- able to look at the plank in my eye, mm-hmm. it becomes really, really, really challenging to try and communicate. Um uh, s- slivers and others, <laughs> like, yeah. and and so every once in a while, I just find myself like preaching a lot, and like it's like, wait a minute here, I gotta step back and find where's that plank, and, you know? And I'll even say, I gotta pardon me while I get the plank out of my eye, right? Yeah. And then, and, but but that ability to stop and say, all right, I'm broken, and you see it when you begin to talk to people as priests, you get this all the time. I don't know that everybody always gets these opportunities as a teacher. Certainly I do. And as a priest, you do, but to realize what goes on in people's lives before you met them at that moment, abuse, um, divorce, um, 
psychological, you know, depression. Like there, the world is very, 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 very broken. I'm very, 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 very broken. Now I want everybody else to be really nice to me, but I don't know that I approach everybody else and say, how can I be nice to this person? How can I treat this person with kindness? How can, and I've just found that more often than not, I'm selfish. I'm prideful. I'm, but if I know first aware awareness come to that, it makes me completely compassionate to the other and not just to be present. And so I just, I don't know. I've really come to this discovery of leading with my brokenness allows me to be less judgmental in a negative way, to be less condemning, to be more present to their brokenness. And Hey, how, how can Christ in the middle of all of this, the road to Emmaus, right? How can Christ be present to us as we walk and talk about our brokenness and talk about our struggles? And might I propose that here is the crack in which grace fills. Right. But if we don't understand the origin of grace and how it gets us, we fail to see the faces that brought it to us. And we attribute the newness or the goodness or the compassion to something separate, and we don't know how then to educate other people to it. We think you can just be nice. You can just be virtuous. You right. can just be good. No, How is, I need someone to come yes. to me that brings this newness into my crack and allows my that grace to flow out. And that is something for us to continue to talk about. How do we allow Christ and God's grace to be present? You're listening to Rutten Radio here on Real Presence Radio, the November edition. You can jump online. You can find old podcasts. In the second half hour, we're going to talk about all souls, all saints, the wonderful month of November. We'll be right back. You're listening to Rutten Radio on the RPR Network. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more of the Rutten Brothers after these messages. Christmas at the Cathedral presents Unto Us, featuring Broadway star Mike Eldred, Nashville recording artist Shelley Jennings, and music director Dan Goler. Six shows December 13th through the 16th at the Cathedral of St. Joseph. Get tickets today at ccfesd.org, all Sioux Falls Hy-Vee locations, or by calling 605-988-3765. Don't miss Christmas at the Cathedral. Hey everyone, Steve Sponskowski, Executive Director for the RPR Network here to thank you for the many ways you make a difference in the world. Even if you are just a stranger in the room, when you actively live out your faith in your daily life with charity and love, you make a difference. Most people without faith say that they have none because they don't see anyone around them living with any. So thank you for the little acts of love you do each day, from a smile to holding the door and saying hello, to taking the time to listen and to pray for another. They make a difference, whether you see it or not. The main reason that I like Catholic Radio is I used to go to a non-denominational prayer group and a lot of times I didn't know how to answer their questions. One question I can remember real good is, you Catholics worship Mary. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. We venerate Mary. We don't worship her. And I want you to stop and think now. If you were standing next to, say, a 25-year-old Jewish boy who's like 6'4", 225 pounds, and next to him is his mother, would you insult his mother? 
I don't think you would do that if you were here on earth. But yet, I see people that are willing to do that to Mary when she's in heaven. I think Jesus is a true Jewish boy, and I think he's going to look at you, and he's going to take his finger and point it right in your face and say, I gave you my mother, and you didn't love her. Think about that. I mean, if you wouldn't insult somebody here on earth, why would you insult his mother in heaven? This is Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now, back to more faith, family, and fun with the Rutten Brothers. Welcome back to Rutten Radio here at Real Presence Radio. We are coming at you from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And we had a first half hour show of faith and culture talking about our movie of the month, which was Goonies. Epic. We've got our Goonies shirts on. These are great. I love the backside of the shirt as well. You can actually go to Facebook and you can check out the shirts. I think Father John has them uploaded there and you can check them out as well as communicate with us. If you got questions or comments or insights or whatever, you're like, hey, do this movie. You got some movie recommendations. Go ahead, jump on Facebook. You can communicate with us there. You can also find all of our podcasts for each month on the Real Presence Radio um, website or app. If you just want to put it on your smartphone, that's fantastic. And we're located right there in a special section, right in between people like Father Schmitz and Father Barron, I think. <laughs> like we got this little sweet spot in the middle there somewhere. I don't know how we got that, but um, so yeah, you can find all our stuff there. The second half hour here of the show, we want to talk a little bit about Saints, All Souls, about November. But before we do that, we thought, you know what? We haven't talked about our favorite scene from the Goonies. Goonies is just an epic movie, and it's got a bunch of awesome scenes. And as I watched it, I thought to myself, man, I forgot how good this movie is. Father John, what's your epic scene? What's your favorite scene from the Goonies? Uh, the scene that I always remember m- most is uh, the organ scene. Oh, yeah. You know, everything's on the line. Uh, but the funny, the, the, the thing... <laughs> the thing I always repeat the most or I always love the most was uh, at the beginning of it when the Goonies are starting to kind of get together and uh, Mouth says, or um, Brandon, is it the older brother? Yeah, Brandon. Yeah, Brandon. And, uh, and they're talking about, uh, uh, Chunk is talking about, is being said, he told he's a liar, you know, basically. like Because he, he sees these robbers come by and they're having this chase and he comes in he's like, you wouldn't believe all that's happened and they were shooting each other and they were the Fratellis. And, you know, he didn't know they were the Fratellis at the time, I don't think. but uh, And they they say, and he, they said, yeah, yeah, Chunk, like the time Michael Jackson came over to your house to use the bathroom. <laughs> and, and then they go on this other list and he says, okay, well, Michael Jackson didn't come over to my house to use the bathroom. But his, but his sister, sister did. did. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes on. <laughs> and and the, the second favorite part is when he is uh, with the Fratellis and they're going to put his hand in the blender. Oh, yeah. And he has to tell them everything. <laughs> tell them everything. Tell them everything. You know, and they want to basically get out from him. Where did they go? Where did they go? Give up the guy. Where they? We're going to go hunt these guys down. And and he's saying, oh, and, and he's like sobbing. You know, he's like, and there was the time when I, I was at the movie and, and I puked over, <laughs> over the balcony. And then, and then the other person started puking on that person. And then they started, and then they were all, over puking, you know. I don't know exactly how it says this, but it was. Uh, I always remember those two things. So, chunks, sort of my, you know. And, 
Hey, you guys. Sloth. You know, Sloth with Chunk on his back coming down the sail ship. So uh, I guess of all people, Chunk's the one that makes yeah. the greatest impression on me. I like Mikey and the adventure, you know, the kid that's looking for the adventure. And uh, the the way in which the they're not booby traps, but the contraptions yeah, set up traps, to, get in, to get into the house, right? So you, Chunk has to do the truffle shuffle, right, in order to drop the ball that makes the bowling ball that does the whole thing. Like, I remember being a kid, right, trying to set up uh, chain reactions, causing an effects in your house, like that – you know, you drop a ball and it makes something happen. And so anyway, that whole kind of contraption of how they get in their house, I always thought was kind of fun. And, you know, I think probably the most, one of the things I found interesting was that the, uh, when Brandon is, uh, is on the bike, you know, he can't, he'd failed his driver's license. He's a high school kid, failed his driver's license. And then the, the rich kids or the popular kids come by in the car and they're like, hey, Brandon. What's... And then they hold on to him and they take off riding and he's on this little bike. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then he goes flying off into the into the woods. Well, I had that happen to me where like I was going, we were out at Newton Hills and I was going really? down a hill at Newton Hills so fast that I couldn't control it. And my bike like front wheel went, you know, and I crashed right into the ditch of the, of Newton Hills. And I always remember thinking like, I could have like really been hurt. (laughs) (laughs) How did I survive childhood? So, you know, nostalgic, right? (laughs) I wonder a lot of us. Yeah. Well, good. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, November, the month of the saints and all souls and uh, the good things going on here. So we kick off November with All Saints Day. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. How I want to be in, in the, the number. No, let's not. Okay. There, there, there. <laughs> Father Paul's so in All here Saints, to... what is All Saints Day? What's the point? What's it all about? What are those Catholics doing when they start November uh, celebrating All Saints Day? It's a time of year we recognize the gift that God uses human instruments to bring about the divine salvific work of Jesus Christ in 2018 and every year since 33 AD. So tell me again. <laughs> oh, okay. All Saints. Yeah, All Saints is that Catholics ha- recognize, uh, Catholics recognize certain men and women in history who have lived as followers of Jesus Christ in right. such a way that we are assured their witness on earth is a path that, if followed, gotcha. will lead us to Jesus and so eternity, that they are in union with him in heaven. Yeah, that is that, a saint that's, that's with a awesome. capital S. Okay? That's awesome, Scripture right? refers to saints with a lowercase s, which is us. Yeah. who are baptized, who are members of the, the family of God, of, the family of God, the, the communion, communion of saints, of saints, but there's the communion of saints who are in heaven, capital S, and that's who we refer to on All Saints Day. And we give special terms like uh, the the church triumphant yeah, and uh, to that group and the church militant to us here on earth, fighting it out still, you know, living out um, our reality in the world. So we have these inspirational saints. I always thought... Uh, I always like describing the saints and why they're of value to walking to school in a snowstorm or just after a snowstorm. 
So, you know, you got the Pyatt's, right? And you got the back alley. And so when you go, uh, when we were young and we'd get, you know, the four of us, Katie, Paul, John, you know, we'd all walk off to Cathedral and you'd go through the back alleys and you kind of pick up friends along the way. The Pyatt's would come out and Matt Fonder, Matt Fonder, Fonder, you know, Fonders would come out and then he'd be walking down. But if, if there was a big snowstorm, right, and you still had school. Uh, the streets might be plowed, but the alleyway wasn't. And so yeah. you walk when you walk down the alleyway, how did you walk? You followed the footsteps of the person in front of you. And you just hoped that Billy earlier, somebody with big feet, was in front <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. that you would step in. So it was single file, and the point is one person broke the path, and the rest of you stepped in their footprints. And that concept is kind of like what the saints do, is in a unique way, they've trod a path to Christ, and they've already shown us that it's true, and and as well, by the way, that it has lots of deviations, and it can go all over, and it can mm-hmm. be broken, And but, but they've done it, and they've shown us, hey, follow this way in spite of your brokenness, and you too can arrive where I'm at now. And it inspires us and it gives us a path in a way. So that's a great, great opportunity for us. You got a bunch of saints out there. I'm sure during November we celebrate some special ones. But who are you, who's a saint that kind of who's, – who's somebody that's for you walked a path that you enjoy or try to follow? Uh, well, they're not yet a saint, so maybe that kind of helps. Uh, there's a process that one goes through. They're first a servant of God. Then they become venerable, then they become blessed, and then they become a saint. So you don't just, doesn't happen overnight for most, uh, but there's a process of looking at their life. And um, so the person most impactful to me is a blessed, they're not yet at the level of saint. And that is blessed Charles Foucault, a Frenchman whom was filled with the pleasures of this world. He, about a hundred years ago, gave that up and entered a life of monasticism monasticism, and entered into Algiers and Morocco and sort of Northern Africa and lived among the Muslims, wanting to be the presence of Jesus in a place in which he wasn't present otherwise. And he is impactful to me for a number of reasons, but one of the things he carries with is this recognition that he went there to be the presence of Jesus. He, like if we're looking for Jesus today, we aren't looking for some mysterious thing up in the sky. We're looking for a man. We're looking for a woman. We're looking for a person. And so he he went to Al, um, Algiers, or Algeria, Algiers, um, as the presence of Christ. And he couldn't even celebrate mass because at the time he needed the adult, he needed another person at mass. Uh, and he eventually got permission to say mass and things. And I was blessed with Father Joe Scholten to say mass. Father Scholten was a seminarian in Rome. And the altar he said mass on in the desert is in the this convent um, in Rome. And so I got really? to go there as a priest and say mass there. And yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Now, he it's lived made out like of wood. as a hermit, like, right? He lived, he lived as like a as hermit. A... Yeah, and he did these huge canvas paintings of the visitation and um, the, the, you know, Do the, they still the exist? Yeah. The, the paintings. <clears throat> How long yeah, ago did habit, he live? His habit is still there. Uh, uh, the early tw- uh, 20th century. He died in the early so 1900s. 20th so mm-hmm. was he born in the 1800s, dies in the yeah. 1900s? Yeah. Really? So, and so he... Um, Where did he come out of, did you say? Uh, he came out of France. He was born in gotcha. 1860, I think, something in there. And then he died in like 1915. So he has whatever he wants and gives it all yeah. up and goes mm-hmm. to live. He was a military man. Why, do you, why he, did he do it? Why did he go out to the desert? Be, because 
uh, he had an aunt who was always sort of after him, like, you know, go to church, happen, go to church, come, you know, where's your faith? You know, you were raised differently, but he, his parents died. So he inherited all this money. Uh, he was fairly well off and just lived it frivolously. And his aunt sort of was always after him. He comes back one time, he was in the military, he comes back to Paris and goes to have these questions. And so he goes to this parish priest, Father Huvelin, and he's in the confessional. And he goes up to the confessional and he says, Father, I have some questions for you. And Father Huvelin knows who he is. And he says, Father Huvelin says to Charles, kneel down and I'll hear your confession. Hmm. And he says, but Father, I just have some questions. He says, kneel down and I'll hear your confession. He says, I don't have faith, Father. I'm not here for that. I have, you know, these questions. And he said, um, basically, he said, you do have faith. Uh, and he said, kneel down and he'll hear your confession. And by God's grace, he did it. Hmm. And he gave this confession that totally brought him back to the awareness of what God was doing in his life, a really profound experience. And then he said, now go to communion at the mass that was being offered right over there. Um, and from that event, then just was born this, this total transformation of his heart. And he kept following it little by little. And eventually he found himself in a number of different religious paths, but ultimately wanting to give his whole life in this way where Jesus was never found. In his whole life, he never baptized anybody. He brought about no conversion in which we would say was fruitful. But at the time, all of the Muslims came to him, would line up to be ministered by him. Every morning he would wake up and at his door were people that needed help. When the Muslims had arguments among their family members and among their things, they came to him to arbitrate them. Hmm. And he was murdered like by another band of Muslims. So he had oh, really? a really good relationship with the Tauregs, but these other Muslims were sort of, they thought he had a lot of wealth and things. And they, so they kill him. And we find the papers that he was writing and discover that he was a mystic. And in that discovery uh, of that, he was a mystic, his papers started being sent all over the world. And these religious orders now have popped up following the spiritual life of St. Charles uh, Foucault, of blessed Charles you. Foucault. And they're, typically people who go into environments where Jesus is not present. Gotcha. So they'll go get jobs in sweat factories. They'll get a, they'll start working for the circus and the traveling carnival in Europe today. People are doing this. Why? Because they want to be the presence of Jesus among those yeah. people. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and it just, it helps me recognize what is the saint. The saint is the person who brings the same presence that, Jesus Christ of Nazareth brought 2000 years ago, we have the possibility to carry that into mm. this world. So we are the instruments through which someone else changes. Yes. It's our footprints that allow someone else to have a path. Right. And the, the awareness we need to grow in is to become aware that he is in me. Mm. He's using me. And how do we know it's him? Because something happens that surprises us because we know that the fruit doesn't equal the effort I put in. The grace doesn't make sense in regard to the brokenness of me. And so oftentimes this is why at the end of all of our efforts, people give in and then all of a sudden something blooms. Hmm. This is so that we say, my gosh, who just made that bloom? Jesus. And he comes through people. And so the church recognizes these that we can be assured lead to this path. So Blessed Charles Foucault really has a huge impact on me mm. because of this. 
others that I would say definitely um, people would be more familiar with than Charles Foucault, but he's like the top. So how about you? Well, I would have to say that Pier Giorgio Frassati, blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati for sure. <laughs> so, uh, let's let's go back. Like not I a saint. so yeah, so both... yeah. Once again, not a saint. Um, if we have my first conversion, March first, nineteen ninety six, senior in high school, my first saint that like just dominates me, that just grabs me immediately and says. I'm around you is uh, Pier, uh, uh, Padre Pio. I mean, just consumed literature about Padre Pio after my conversion. Uh, followed by him, uh, Maximilian Colby. Mm. Like the story of Maximilian Colby mm. was the first talk I ever gave after my conversion was the story of Maximilian Colby at a search retreat. Uh, Tres of Lisieux follows the story of a soul, just like the simplicity of her way that you can be in a convent in the middle of who, who cares? doesn't even matter. Really. She can be wherever she is behind walls and she can be the great missionary. Like she somehow, like she has the special way like that, that God works however he wants. <laughs> like, um, so Tres definitely kind of grabbed me and, and was, was strongly present uh, then John Paul II, like before, I mean, he's just canonized now, but um, John Paul II, probably the, the sense of adventure, like that you would have this priest that loves kayaking and canoeing and skiing, and but then is this magnanimous figure, like just grabs the attention of the world. Um, I got deeply, deeply embedded in George Weigel's work on, on John Paul II. And then the last one would be uh, Pier Giorgio Frassati. And Frassati's probably where I land most now. Like, if I'm appealing to people, if I'm thinking about, hey, what's the path to go here? Um, Frassati right now is the one most present to me. And it's probably because he chose intentionally not to be a priest mm. because he felt in his heart a call to go where the priests couldn't. Mm -hmm. And that was into the mines where the workers were to go where the workers were. Um, and so he, he studied to be an engineer so that he could work in, in the mines in, in, in relationship to the people. And then this way in which he lived out his faith where two worlds would not know each, the other, the other sides of him, that he would come from a rich aristocratic world and that he would be ministering to the poor outcast downtrodden, that he would have these two worlds that he would live amongst that neither would know each other until his death. And then at his death comes this epic unveiling to both sides that says, you know, sometimes um, we judge lots of people. We judge the rich and wealthy as if somehow they're other. And we judge the poor and downtrodden as if somehow they're other. And in Pier Giorgio, I see this coming together of both worlds that says, who, wherever we're at in life today, we're called to be in relationship to Jesus Christ and we're called to serve each other. And it's mm -hmm. very simple. Go to mass. He would go to mass every day and serve those in needs that are presented to you. Who are you called to serve? Serve them. Um, so yeah, Pier Giorgio Frassati, I got like a life-size poster, but bigger in life. I got like eight foot poster. By the way, you still have my... 
poster of John Paul no, II, maybe. It's in your closet at, in your house. No. Yeah, I brought it back. So I have these two epic life, like bigger than life, larger than life-size posters of John Paul II and of Pier Giorgio Frassati. And as you named your parish John Paul II, I was like, mm, that's awesome. And you borrowed my big old poster and you returned it. And I don't even didn't even know it. So tell us about uh, St. Maximilian Kobe. Who does that? Who does what he did? So if you know his story, he's in the concentration camp. Prisoners escape. They're going to execute 10 people to dissuade people from trying to escape. You know, one guy cries out. You know, for the Germans, the person, they, they the number was all that mattered. The person actually didn't, they dehumanized you by giving you a number. And so for them, actually, whether or not who it was didn't actually matter. It was just a number that needed to die. And so to think that a person would be called forward to die in response to these prisoners trying to escape, he would cry out that he's a husband and a father, like, and that somebody would stop and say, I'm a Catholic priest. I will take this man's place. The nobility of it, the selflessness of it, it's like the greatest act that I'm almost certain I would not do. But I, but I desire it. I want to be him, right? I want to say yes. I want to be the guy that's heroic. That, um, but knowing that I probably wouldn't, you know? Like, and so that epic place of living in the tension that says, I believe truly today what we need is that we need to lead through inspiring people to live holy lives, to follow the Christian message through the examples of those that have already done it, that, this, that these stories um, inspire us to do what they did. And what brought it on was um, Martin Marty, the, 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 the Benedictine uh, monk that would come to America and establish, be our first bishop in the Dakota Territory. They did it because they were reading about these missionary priests in Europe that were ministering in the New World, and it inspired them to do the same thing. And so then they did. Mm-hmm. That concept is what Maximilian first awakened within me was this desire to be a hero, to live heroically, to to be sacrificial, um, and to say, you know what, if he can do it, I I can. I know him. Like I know where he was. I know what he did. He just lived a few years ago. Like he's not that old. And and so Maximilian was the first person that really awakened within me this desire to say, hey, you know what, you want to be great. And this is where a lot of, if you follow me at all, a lot of my my created for greatness, my call for greatness, this virtue of magnanimity, of greatness of soul, servant leadership, like all of that stuff really at its origin comes out of my first encounter with Maximilian Colby. I was, I was fascinated by the wonders of Padre Pio. The like that—that's what first captivated me was the miracles of Padre Pio, bilocation, healings, all of that. But what really inspired me personally to be more or to be different was not Padre Pio. It was Maximilian Colby. Mm. And so I hopefully continue to live in the presence of Christ where I make those small deaths, right? I make the, the white martyrdom. I, make the, I try and die to myself uh, daily in a way in which he epically did mm. in a one moment's decision. Most of us don't have that and never will. It's interesting you say that because I can see it's evident in you what this man has done. Uh, and it also helps explain the way you live your faith. 
Um, and it makes me think of Blessed Charles Foucault and the difference of how we, um, uh, how do I want to say it? Um, uh, you know, we talk about the difference between grace and will. Works oh, yeah. And faith. Right. Well, it's right here in this love for the saints that most impact us because blessed Charles Foucault, when, when I was moved by him, I actually shut the book and I put it down and I said, you're here. Mm -hmm. And that was it. Yeah. You're here. Yep. Uh, there was no, now this is the consequence. There was a consequence to it. The consequences have been enormous in my life and in the life of everybody. I taught, I mean, uh, but there's that there's that that place where I think today's culture is really unfamiliar with, which is dwelling. We're used to going. We're used to being busy. We're used to being doing something, and so that's the tension in me yeah, all the time. Is right. you have had the dwelling that sent you on the mission, and I'm just more always like, let's just live in the dwelling, <laughs> and you have the dwelling. But you live in the mission right. in a way that I do too. We just emphasize different aspects of the same thing right. that's happening. Uh, but and, the and most it, important dynamic is that these people brought this to us. And if you bring and marry in Pier Giorgio Frassati to the conversation, there maybe even is a little more richer expression to that in the sense that he was a call to action. He was a call to mission in the workforce in the world, in where people are doing their daily activity, like that inspiration of, of Maximilian Kolbe to live heroically, married with Pier Giorgio's Fasati's desire to have an apostolate within the laity where they're at in their work life and daily life is kind of the marriage of where I see my mission, uh, my calling, the exercise of my vocation professionally, spiritually uh, in the church today. Well, that about wraps up our our segment here of uh, Rutten Radio on Real Presence Radio. We hope you'll join us next month as we come back at you live, hopefully with the three-headed monster and Father Paul is with us. Let us close in prayer and lift up all saints and pray. ask for the prayers of all saints, but particularly for all the souls of the faithfully departed as we pray the family prayer. Our Father, we thank you for your love and for your many blessings, especially for the precious gift of each other. Help us to show our gratitude by loving each other as you love us. Make us understanding and patient with one another, quick to admit our failings and ask forgiveness, generous in sharing the joy and strength we can give each other. Father, give our family lively faith and the courage to share it with those around us. Direct us to the state and life you plan for each of us, and help us to use your gifts to serve you. We entrust our family to your fatherly care. Preserve us from the corruption of the modern world and help us draw closer daily to you and to each other until we come to share with you the joys of heaven. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, help us to be a holy family. Amen. And we'll see you next month. You've been listening to Rutten Radio on Real Presence Radio. To hear today's episode again, visit our website, yourcatholicradiostation.com, and find it on the Sioux Falls podcast page. You can also find it on our app under podcasts and special events. And be sure to tune in for more Rutten Radio next month.
Rotten Radio on the Real Presence Radio Network. heard people speak about the difference once they've started to listen to Catholic radio. Just that presence of a positive voice and really a voice that speaks the truth that comes from God throughout your day. It really does make a difference. You know, sometimes you uh, you don't know how much you need it until you happen to turn on the radio and hear just the thing that, that's for you, you know, the message that, that God has for you that day. And so I would say that not just the difference in, in individuals, but even a difference in the same person from, you know, from before they listened to... Uh, to now or to you know that moment when they tune in at just the right time you know every every forum of our lives is an opportunity for that evangelization letting the light of the gospel in and that includes our home life our work even our activities we enjoy whether you're on a, a sports team or there's some kind of hobby you share with other people all of those are opportunities to let the light in you know catholic radio is another way your support all of our listeners support of real presence radio is it's another way to live out concretely tangibly that gospel mandate that jesus gives us at the end of matthew Go and, and teach all nations.